Harassment of all sorts can happen anywhere, including in the offices of state and local government. That's why since December, the Justice Department and Equal Employment Opportunity Commission have been working together under a Memorandum of Understanding. Joining me with a progress report, EEOC Commissioner Charlotte Burroughs. Ms. Burroughs, good to have you on. Thank you. It's a pleasure to join you. Tell us what's in this Memorandum of Understanding and what does it obligate Justice and EEOC to do here? Absolutely. And let me say, first of all, that I think we are at an unprecedented moment in our nation's history with respect to the way we deal with this problem of harassment. And I'm hopeful that the attention that media outlets like yours and others have been giving to this long overdue national problem is going to really help us to get to a place where we can fix it. And so that's why we, together with our terrific partners at the Justice Department, wanted to do this. So let me tell you what it does. And it's actually a an amendment to the Memorandum of Understandment, or MOU, that we had going together because we recognized the particular problems in harassment that were going to require us to do something new. So first of all, it, the bottom line on this is that it allows both the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, or EOC, and the Justice Department to move quickly when necessary in those state and local government cases where we share authority. So that shared authority exists uniquely, really, in the state and local government context. Here's how the system works. Job applicants and employees who believe that they have suffered discrimination in employment, including harassment, because of race, color, religion, sex, national origin, etc., cetera, uh, age, disability, or genetic information, they can file a charge with the EEOC, and that starts the process. Now, if it's a private employer, the EEOC can take it all the way through investigation up to the Supreme Court. But for those charges involving state and local government, the work splits between EEOC, which handles the investigation, and DOJ, which has to go to court. So our goal was to make sure that in those harassment cases where we saw that urgency was needed, the fact that you had two different pieces of the government that had to work together would not slow things down and deny justice to those individuals. So this MOU, or the change that we made to the existing MOU, helps us do that because it means that we can quickly decide we have a problem here that the EOC has identified an investigation, and we can get into court if we need to, to protect individuals in a really sure. severe case of harassment, and I'll give you an example, um, by working together with justice, because justice would have to be the ones to go into court. So our people on both sides needed to know how to identify those cases, that they feel confident that they had the backing of leadership in both the Civil Rights Division and EEOC, and be ready to go when that situation came up. We have done it, for instance, in um, cases, our private cases, um, successfully getting an order where we discovered harassment during the investigation and the um, harassers were, you know, was going to lead to that person being terminated. And, of course, once the person is fired or threatened with fired with, with a firing, um, neither they nor some of the other employees are going to want to talk to us to help us finish the investigation. Are you generally Go looking ahead. at individual cases or are you looking at where there might be a class activity happening, which would... Bring in a lot of federal resources. It's both. And sometimes what happens is we get an individual case, and it turns out that maybe only one person had the courage to come forward. But it really is a broader problem. And um, 
when that happens, the fact that you're a state or government employee, you know, local government employee should not mean that you have to wait longer than you would if you were in the private sector or we, that we don't help you in as quickly or as well as if you were a private sector employee. So that's the idea is to make sure that the fact that you have this split authority does not prevent us from doing our jobs well and really meeting the problem. We're speaking with EEOC Commissioner Charlotte Burroughs. And what about the state anti-discrimination and adjudication boards? Because many of the states and even perhaps some of the larger counties have their own anti-harassment units of some sort. Where do they get into the picture? They do. Many state and local governments, you're right, do have that. The problem is it's different in every state. Um, The deadlines for filing differ. And so you may or may not have the same protection under state law as you do under federal law. But if someone decides to go to the state first, right, we cooperate with those state and local governments. They really work hand in glove with us. So sometimes what will happen is that you file with a state or local um, agency and they say, you know what, our law doesn't actually reach that, or maybe they don't have the resources to do it. They refer it to us so that there's not a, you know, a negative effect for the employee and you don't have to be a lawyer or hire a lawyer to figure out where do I file. That's the, the goal of that cooperation. And, of course, governments below the federal level exist at all sizes and shapes from gigantic bureaucracies in California, Massachusetts and Maryland and so on, all the way to some small local town where maybe the road agent is harassing you know, the secretary that works in a remote office, this kind of thing. What sorts of governments tend to bubble up the most cases that get to your attention? That's a really interesting question. I don't know if I could say one kind of... A uh, public employer tends to bring more cases than others. I, um, you know, it's it's sort of runs the gamut. To be honest, we have seen everything, and you know, this is really the broad swath of public uh, government. So this is a problem that touches, and I'm sure it's not. Uh, news to your listeners that there have also been state legislatures that have struggled with this problem. Um, but they, so really just any kind of employer in America, unfortunately, is not immune. And so I don't know that there's one kind of state employee or employer. We look for the severity and um, sort of importance of the case sometimes, but anyone can file and should file as soon as possible, frankly, if they believe they've suffered discrimination. Um, of any kind, not just harassment. I sort of listed the other bases. But there are deadlines for how quickly you have to get to us, depending on your state. So better to come to us sooner rather than wait and try and figure it out on your own. We can, we have folks who can talk through with you what the law covers and, um, pre, you know, and, and assist in that way. And you mentioned that justice has the ability to take people to court in these cases. But as a practical matter, do you generally try to settle things to the benefit of the person harassed without going to court? I mean, do you try to get an administrative type of resolution first? Absolutely. And in fact, under the statute, um, we are required to do that in individual cases. But as a practical matter, it is always better for the individual to get a resolution sooner rather than later. So we um, are able to uh, settle quite a lot of cases even before the investigation finishes. Um, And then after we have a conclusion of the investigation and find that there's reasonable cause to believe discrimination occurred, we go through a process called conciliation where we 
seek to remedy the problem, not just for the individual, but to really get at those things that will make the workplace better so that there are changes that will help others and that there won't be a repeat performance um, at that employer. And when people see the word harassment, I think the default mode is to think of sexual harassment. But in reality, people find all sorts of ways to be mean and unfair with one another, don't they? That's right. So two things about that. The, the sexual harassment problems have deservedly gotten a huge spotlight. Unfortunately, there are also, we see categories of harassment across the gamut on race and national origin, religion, um, the whole basis, age, disability, and sometimes on multiple bases. We even had one instance I'm aware of where there was discrimination and harassment based on someone's genetic information. That's one of the protections we have also. he had. How would you know someone's a, genetic information? Well, it's interesting. He had actually done one of those, written off for one of those tests that there are all these different companies now sure. that say they'll check your DNA and, and tell your family ancestry. And he came into work one day and said, you know, I found out that I'm, I think it was 17% African-American. And, you know, he did not present and had never, no one in his family had ever told him that there, that could be possible, but he thought it was kind of cool. So he shared it at work and was harassed as a result of that. Wow. So, you know, yes, I know it was very, um, very troubling and a, sort of a unique case, but, uh, which is why I, I recall it so well, but we have also, um, resolved a number of cases where there were multiple bases. And unfortunately, it seems that in a wide, you know, this is about really, particularly the sexual harassment, but all harassment is about abuse of power. And unfortunately, we see quite a lot of this as to, um, you know, women of color being harassed on multiple bases. Um, We had a very troubling case out in Oakland, actually in the courthouse, where and in the same building where our Oakland offices are, there were some young ladies who were African American who had disabilities who were cleaning they were, you know, in janitorial services, cleaning that building, you know, right under the judge's nose almost literally, and being harassed uh in very severe ways. And we were able to get a very good resolution to that. But it is, you know, once again, just as a reminder, this happens anywhere. And so I think um, the best thing about the MOU is that it shows that we are taking, that it allows us to really take this seriously across the board, that there's no pockets left where we're not fully on point, fully doing our jobs. And so I really credit, um, you know, the the wisdom of the Justice Department, uh, Civil Rights Division, and their leadership for identifying this and, um, you know, all of the great career people on both sides in both agencies for their dedication to this issue. Charlotte Burroughs is a member of the Equal Opportunity Employment Commission. Thanks so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. We'll post a link to more information and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Listen to the Federal Drive on demand and on your device at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature.